Blog Talk Radio. July celebrations this year. We'll have to wait and see. I hope so. 
I hope so. Yeah, but. they haven't. That's an interesting thought. Uh, I mean, that obviously that's still some months off, but uh, um, no one's talked about whether or not there's going to be 4th of July. Um, and then I forget in Lake Placid they have uh, – the Iron Man, you know, I mean, between Saranac Lake and and Lake Placid, there's like a, a rugby tournament, or in the past, there's been rugby tournaments, uh, firemen conventions, like say over in Lake Placid, you have the Iron Man, and, you know, all that was canceled all last year, so it will be interesting to see what they're going to allow this year. Yeah, I'm I'm really hanging on every every breath they make to see what happens. Um, but at any rate, our phone number here guys is the same as it's always been. 646-668-2433. Put that in your speed dial. 646-668-2433. Because that's the same number for stunt treks, it's the same number for uh, trek talk, and it's the same number for comic corner, it's the same number for book nook. Um, You may notice a pattern there that it's the same phone number for every (laughs) podcast that we do. (laughs) So, and that phone number, that's what sets us apart from any other podcast. We're more than just a podcast, we're blog, talk, radio. And that means that you, yes, you right there, has the opportunity to call 646-668-2433 anytime that we're doing a live broadcast and and interact with us, share your opinions, make your comments, ask your questions, and uh, you'll be immortalized for all of eternity on this podcast. So uh, if you have any questions for the Leslie Hoffman or myself, please give us a call, 646-668-2433. And we'll get you right on the air. We'd love to hear from you. So Leslie and I were trying to decide what we were going to talk about tonight. And um, I said, well, you know, Leslie, I know you worked on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Did you work on the the, uh, series finale, What You Leave Behind? And the reason why I asked Leslie that is because we've been taking a look at all the Star Trek pilots and the Star Trek finales on Trek Talking. And Thursday night, we're all the way up to Deep Space Nine now. So Thursday night, we're going to be talking about the emissary and what you leave behind. And I thought that might be a good tie-in for Leslie to talk about what you leave behind since she worked on Deep Space Nine. So that's what we're going to talk tonight about, what you leave behind the series finale of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So uh, before we dive right in, I'll just let you guys know that uh, that was the final episode of the series, obviously. Captain Sisko um, gets in a big fight with Gal Dukat uh, in the uh, fire cave, and he gets uh, imprisoned in the um, uh, celestial temple, and he tells Cassidy Yates that he'll be back, but because the celestial temple... Um, isn't linear in time. It's kind of think of it like the Nexus in Star Trek Generations. He can step out of it anywhere, anytime he wants to, in the past, in the present, in the future. So uh, 
Cisco's not dead. He's just in the Celestial Temple, and Major Kira takes over the space station. Uh, Bashir hooks up. Well, I don't know if he hooks up, but he's hanging out with uh, Dax, Ezra, Dax. Uh, Worf takes off with Martok to go and reform the Klingon Empire. Martok is now the new um, uh, chancellor because Worf kills Gowron. And O'Brien goes back to, to Starfleet Academy to teach a class on Earth. And, of course, Keiko goes with him. And that's where we leave Deep Space Nine. Um, so, Leslie, what's, let's, let's talk a little bit about your actions on Deep Space Nine. What, what, what were you involved with, if anything, on the final episode, what you leave behind? Well, it, it was a two-parter or two hours. Uh, so, so I stunt doubled uh, Mila when when the Jemadars killed her and threw her down the staircase. You know, so that's that, right. That's... And you guys can see a picture if you go to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. You'll see a picture of Leslie there uh, as the hall monitor from Friday the, uh, from <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, and you'll also see her as Mila from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, the Cardassian. Uh, now, was, was was he the mother? I, I always thought that that he was he was Garrick's mother. Did they ever specify that in the episode? The the day you know, I, was, I worked. I was told by the the crew that that was his mother, but then I've had fans say, "No, she was only a maid." I mean, I've always um, have been told that it was his. Excuse me, Ed. <coughs> Having a cough here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's see if that stopped that. I, I've always been told, or at least the day I worked, I was told that it was his mother. And I've never thought any diff- anything different because that's what the crew said. You know, and when I say the crew, I don't mean the actors. I'm talking about production managers and all that kind of stuff. So... Like I say, I've always thought that I was Garrick's mother. <laughs> Dead, and, but, and that, but, but nevertheless, Garrick's mother. I agree with that. I, I happen to think that that's the right. I I really do think that that was Garrick's mother. Um, if you think about Garrick as a as a, the deep operative that he was, Leslie, I don't think he would ever divulge his family relations because that would put him. In a, in a uh, delicate situation, and it would put his family members at risk. So I don't think he would ever divulge the fact that Mila was his mother, but I think that she was. Yeah. Uh, you said it best, is that he didn't need to create a sensitive situation that could cause him problems, and he sure didn't want to cause relatives problems. So... So you didn't know anything about his family. Exactly. uh, Yeah, but it was kind of interesting. 
I mean, in this case, I would say Dennis really stepped in there uh, even before I did the stunt. I, you know, basically I heard this after the fact is that originally they wanted to create maybe like a, a metal staircase or I'll call it an uncarpeted staircase, some, you know, some kind of solid material. But uh, Dennis believes in safety for for his stunt people, and he said, no, no, it can't be a, well, like, like the promenade staircases is, that, that would be a very bruising staircase, besides that it's circular, to go rolling down. So anyways, um, he demanded that this staircase uh, have padding on it and a carpet on it. And um, I'm, I'm, uh, this one I could either live with or take away is that he also didn't want a solid banister on both sides because he didn't want me rolling down and possibly hitting my head against the banister. So if you look at the staircase, it's like maybe every other uh, step is you know, like a pole or something, and I don't remember if it was a rope or, or I don't remember what connected uh, the posts <laughs> because I didn't walk down the stairs. I rolled down them. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember what the top part was. But, uh, um, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess... Let's put it due to Dennis's safety it was it was a stair fall but but you know rolling downstairs uh I don't know I actually like stair falls uh it was fun to roll down <laughs> the staircase but craziest thing that happened to me is that like I say she was supposed to be already dead so I had to roll down the staircase and you know uh, I forget if they wanted me to land face up face down or it didn't matter um, I mean I landed face down well, uh, maybe maybe because you know, again, I'm stunt doubling somebody, so so you don't want to have me end up on the floor with my face towards the camera either, because then you're going to see that it's somebody else, even even in the alien makeup. But I get, you know, I roll down the steps and I'm lying on the floor, and that's when that little ball that was a bomb comes bouncing down the staircase and it explodes. And like I say, I'm supposed to be dead. Well, when it exploded, this little, like, teeny little fireball bounced out of it and landed within a couple inches of, of my hand and I'm laying there because there's there's dialogue between Kira and Garrick and I, what was it Bashir? I feel like there were three people there. But um, anyways, I can feel the heat 
near my hand. At least it didn't land on my hand. But, boy, I could feel the heat coming off of that thing near my hand. And, and I mean, it didn't – I'm lucky that it didn't burn me, but it was hot enough that if I had been technically alive, I probably would have moved my hand because it was hot. Now, for those of you who aren't She's familiar alive. with this particular scene that Leslie's talking about, if I remember correctly, I, I think it was Kira, Garrick, and, and Damar, I think, that was hiding oh, out in okay. the basement. okay. I couldn't remember who the third person was. I think it was Damar, and the Cardassians find Garrick, and they kill Mila. She's at the top of the stairs. They kill her which we don't get to see, and then they throw her body down the stairs, and that's where Leslie comes in. Leslie is actually the body that they throw down the stairs. And then when Leslie hits the floor, they throw in the uh, shock bomb so that they can storm in and capture Kira, uh, Galdemar, and Garrick. And that's the scene that we're talking about. Uh, Leslie is is doubling um, Mila as she gets thrown down the stairs. Now, Leslie, were you in full Cardassian makeup as you bounced down the stairs? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the picture you have is, yes, I, well, again, I was stunt doubling. So I had a duplicate suit of what Mila was wearing. Um, and I was in full Cardassian makeup and, and the wig. You know my my own no. separate thing, but uh, no, I was I was completely uh, uh, dressed like like Mila. In fact, um, when they put the Star Trek wardrobe on eBay, I actually bought the uh, dress that I wore. I actually have it here with me in Saranac Lake. Mila's dress, and it has. Uh, the wardrobe tag on it that says Leslie Hoffman. That is so cool. Now, oh, Leslie, it is. let me ask you I, a question. It, how how did they keep the wig and the and the and the headpieces on you as you're bouncing down the stairs without that stuff flying off of you? Whoops! <laughs> it was a long <laughs> sentence. I um. Well, you know, I mean, uh, for stunt people, uh, well, the wardrobe isn't going to, hopefully the wardrobe isn't going to rip. And in fact, uh, it was actually very hot, that dress. They had, I don't know why, but, but there's neoprene underneath that dress. I, I I don't know why they wow. had, you know, like a, a, a scuba diver's material. <laughs> so it was really hot in that dress. Uh, but like I say, your wardrobe to go falling apart. Um, the Cardassian makeup is glued onto my face. Uh, um, I mean, you, you're not really rubbing your face against the staircase so so hopefully you're not and and um 
I feel like there was almost a, you know, when you were being an alien, there was there was almost some kind of sealant or something that uh, you 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 know you couldn't rub. Like if you're a Cardassian, you couldn't rub the gray makeup off of you. When I was being Torres, you couldn't, uh, even though it's human color skin or half human, half King Klingon's color skin, uh, with the sealant, um, you know, you really couldn't rub it off. I mean, about the only thing that I remember about this makeup, I'm I'm making left a hard left turn here right now, is like. When I was doubling Taurus and her hair was, her hair or the wig was loose, um, I mean, if you were to to whip your head around, this this sealant was sticky and your hair would stick onto your face. Wow. <laughs> but, but Mila's hairdo was, was uh, um, up, you know, she didn't have long hair hanging down so like you say when i uh, so you so the prosthetics are glued to your face believe me they have the wig the wig securely fastened to your head um no no rolling down a staircase you you really shouldn't shouldn't lose any part of (laughs) of the person you're stunt doubling Well, that's good, cause <laughs> she left her name halfway down up the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, I'll so make another left-hand turn. Yep. Is that so on cheap movies where they decided that they wouldn't hire uh, a hair department, um, I did a movie called Die Laughing, um, and I had to jump off the ship. I was stunt doubling somebody, and there was no hair department, and they t- <laughs> they just put this wig on my head. And believe it or not, they had like this rubber strap on the wig underneath my chin. In other words, they put the I, – I, like I say, I don't know – well – I, I think I've described it. So, I, you know, I'm wearing a wig that that has an elastic strap holding it to the top of my head. Well, when you hit the water, uh, you know, it, it's like the water gets underneath the wig and the wig starts popping off. So that's the difference between... Um, I'll call it an all-union set and, and a union set. <laughs> and Leslie, how long did you work? Uh, how long did uh, did you work on the on the series finale? Just was it just a, a quick shoot, or were you there a couple of days? Um, the the stairfall was just one day, um, but but I don't know, you, you know. I'm I'm such a big fan of Star Trek that um even if I wasn't working on a day if if you know if I'd either finished looking for work anywhere else or something like that um 
Paramount, the, the guards knew me at Paramount, and even though I may not even be on the call sheet, they they would let me on the lot. So, so there were many times that I would visit a set even though I wasn't scheduled to be working on the set. So um, I don't remember how many days that I visited the uh, the set, but I, you know, hey, it was the last episode. And and so I was there on other days that, uh, like you say, I wasn't scheduled to work. But, but, you know, I'm just watching what's going on. Well, especially if there's a stunt and I know Dennis is there or Tom, you know, I would come and visit the set. Wow. Listen, guys, we have to take our first commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk with Les a little bit about how long it took for her to become a Kardashian, and we're going to talk a little bit about the big party that they had at Vic Fontaine's in the final scene of the series. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this quick commercial message. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, Uncle Jim, the Leslie Hoffman. We're talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the series finale, What You Leave Behind. So, Leslie, when you're stunt doubling... Is the Cardassian makeup that you wear any different than, say, what Gul Dukat would wear? Or do they take the same amount of time in applying it? Oh, absolutely the same amount of time. I mean, you you, you got to be that alien. And so Cardassian uh, has, I believe it was nine pieces of prosthetic that had to be glued to you. And I... I used to be be able to, you know, you had a headpiece, uh, you had two eye, you know, either side eye pieces, you had the, the two sides of the neck, uh, and and I just feel that there were other smaller pieces that had to be glued on. For some reason, the number nine comes to mind that uh, had to be applied to me, and we've talked about this in the past. Uh, you know, you arrive to the set and and you have to go to the dressing room and put on this sort of uh, T-shirt, you know, wide, well, they've cut it open, this really wide neck T-shirt. Then, then you go to hair and get your hair pinned up. Then you go to makeup and they start gluing things on your face. And then you go back to hair to get the wig on. And then you go back to makeup for like if there's lipstick or who knows. In this case, it would be the the blue in in the spoon. I mean, it it, it, it was so. It probably took about two and a half or more hours to get into Cardassian makeup. Torres's makeup still took an hour and a half. So Cardassian makeup was uh, a lot more intense than than uh, Torres's makeup. 
Now, do you have any of the uh, prosthetics? Were you able to keep anything from the from the series when they wrapped it up? Or did you have to buy everything from eBay? No, that's the interesting thing. When it comes to the prosthetics, um, boy, I'll tell you, I, th- this just came to mind. If we were in the covert period, they probably would have to keep throwing things away. But but during the time that I was on Star Trek, uh, they carefully removed the prosthetics and cl- cleaned them somehow to use them again because I guess it would cost a lot of money to make prosthetics every day for for every actor or or to reuse it on a different actor. So so no. The the answer to your question is no. The um they they kept kept the prosthetics. So so unfortunately I didn't get to walk away with any head pieces or neck pieces anything like that. What were you able to get um any souvenirs at all from the series finale? Well that was the interesting thing is that I'm not the only one that uh you know knew this thing that this was the last episode. <laughs> And actually, the crew members were were taking uh, props off the set, and, and they weren't done filming scenes yet. So, so <laughs> there were some props missing, you know, for for let's say Quark's bar or something like that. Is who had already walked off with it? Wow, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. I don't think I don't think production was particularly thrilled about it, but you know, everyone wanted, as you said, everyone wanted a souvenir. Is that uh, I I well, and unfortunately for me, um, some of the souvenirs that I got um, when I had to move from California back to New York, I just I I couldn't bring them with me. It's like I had a bunch of uh, um, the, I don't know what to call them, the vials of pills that were in sickbay. I had several of those, and, and I just couldn't take them. I didn't have room. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah, and and uh i think i had a klingon mug that that got left behind i mean um due to the stunt shows that that we used to do um which has nothing to do with the finale of deep space 9 is that i do have some bat lifts and and some of the weaponry but that was because uh i got uh well, from Joe Longo, the prop man, um, weapons that, you know, tips were broken and things like that. I mean, so they aren't exactly in perfect shape, but they are original to the series. Wow. Now, Leslie, what was the what was the environment like? What was what was it like on the set when they were wrapping it up and everybody knew that it was coming to an end? What was it? What was the feeling on the set like? 
Um, I don't think people really emotionally showed it, but um, the one thing was one of the days they and I've never been on any show that's done this except Deep Space Nine is they actually gave out uh, to the casting crew um, the, the usually the a script usually the script is, you might have a blue cover or a lighter color for some reason they made the the script with with a black front and back to it um and and it was kind of interesting it's almost like uh, uh you know your high school yearbook and you go around and have people autograph it and and that was again this is the only time that i remember of any show that i worked on uh that the 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 cast and crew would go around and ask each other for autographs and i do have that, that i do have is uh the final script and the autographs on it but then again right. this was only one day so depending on who was there that's the autographs that you could you know grab it wasn't like um you could come back a different day and and do it, you know. So so what I have is, you know, it's very special to me and and uh, and it and you know some of the names uh, you wouldn't recognize because, like I say, it's the it's the production crew as opposed to the actors. I mean, I haven't taken it out recently to to look at the names. I sh- I probably should do that and and make a list of who autographed it, um, because I know that my signature is really messy and, <laughs> and you may not be able to read it. And before before I forget who was on the set that day, I should probably make a list. So it was kind of like a high school yearbook almost. Well, when I say, uh, no, it really was a script. It's it's just that uh, people were able to take like, I don't know. Now, this is interesting that because I think most of the signatures are in silver. So. I I like I say this is I don't know what year was this this is so long ago now um, I don't know when they handed out the special script if they also handed out a silver um, you know scripto pen but but like I say I don't know either I brought a silver pen with me or they supplied the the silver pens. And uh, you know, you just again, they're they're work. You got to remember that they're working. They're still filming, so it isn't like in the middle of a scene you go running up to the cameraman and say, "Can you give me your autograph?" <laughs> True. You know, so you you still had to be respectful of them, 
other than like say people are walking off with the props, but um, you still had to be respectful of that. This is a working set or what they call a hot set, and and you know you I tried to get as many autographs as possible, but but you also had to be. Um, well, I don't want. I'm. There's a different word other than polite. You, you know, your timing, your timing could not interfere with the filming. Right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, yeah. What about the final, the final scene that they filmed at Vic's on the holodeck? Um, I've heard that the people that were actually uh, patrons of Vic's weren't just stand-ins and extras that they pulled in off the street. There was a lot of people at the bar that night that actually worked on the show. Is that true? Um, what I, I wasn't there for that filming, but, but it is true that uh, like people from the production office or I mean, executive producers, you know. In other words, uh, the crowd was made up of 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 production people. So they find, they got to be a part of Star Trek in front of the camera, as opposed to behind it. Exactly. So that must so have been cool. I guess you would call that almost an Easter egg. Is that? Uh, Someone who who knew all the different uh, behind the camera people could probably look at at the audience and go, wait a minute, that's you know so and so from special effects, or that's so and so from the makeup department, or. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't. They didn't ask me to to. Well, I guess they had to. Be, you know, it's one thing. To to film, let's say uh, the the secretary from a production office to sit on the set and be filmed and probably not get paid for it. But you know, if you're a member of the Screen Actors Guild and you're in the crowd, then technically you would need to pay these people, you know, or 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 Screen Actors Guild members. So so I guess. Uh, Having the crew sit there and be filmed, um, you know, it didn't cost them anything. And yet, as you said, people that you never see, you may see their names in the credit, but but here they were sitting in in, uh, the audience. Wow, that's that's pretty cool though. Pretty cool. Yeah. Now, Leslie, I heard a story. I was wondering. I heard a story about how uh, um, Avery Brooks actually broke somebody's nose during filming. They're in a fight. Oops. Is that oh, true? Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, now, again, I was there that night. Is that? Um, uh, Goldicott and and Captain Cisco were were fighting on the rocks right at the edge of uh oh you gotta you gotta help me here what they call that that pit or that abyss the fire cave 
Okay. The, so so they had built these uneven rocks or multi-level rocks that they were fighting on. It wasn't just a flat surface. And they wanted, in this case, they wanted the actors to do this. Or sometimes you film actors while you also have stunt doubles on the set. But I don't necessarily remember stunt doubles on the set. So so Dennis, you know, was showing Avery and Mark Alamo, you know, how to do this fight. And... Uh, you know, this is this is one of those situations where you keep filming it over and over again, and like maybe the fifth time, the director says one more for camera, and that's the time somebody gets hurt. And it also was extremely late at night. I mean, it it was ten or eleven o'clock at night, which you know, so you're already tired. You've you've had a long day. Um, like I say, they had already filmed it four times, and for some reason the director didn't like it. And uh, anyways, um, Avery was supposed to throw a punch at uh, Goldicott's or at Mark's face. Um, you know, this big fight before they fall in in the pit, and um, and like I say, they were on different levels. And for, you know, you never know why something happens. For some reason, Mark either leaned into Avery or Avery leaned into Mark. And when he threw the punch, and, you know, he, he, you got to make the punch look real. I mean, he's not doing it in slow motion. He's doing it at full speed, except you're supposed to miss the other person, um, boy, he landed a punch on Mark's nose and broke it. I mean, it's like Dennis wow. and I were talking, and they're, fil well, actually, we weren't talking because they were filming, but uh, all of a sudden, we hear something, and and Mark is down, <laughs> laying down, and you know, a bunch of people go running up, and uh, in this case, they weren't going to delicately take the prosthetics off of Mark, and they're just peeling, you know, the nose piece and everything off of Mark, and uh, like I say, uh, Avery landed a blow right on uh, Mark's face and broke his nose, and and I don't remember if they took him to the hospital in a regular car or if they had an ambulance come and take Mark to the hospital. But like I say, he, his nose is broken. In fact, it delayed filming because there was no way in the world that you could glue uh, the Cardassian pieces on Mark while his nose was swollen. So that cost them days. Wow. That's, wow. Yeah. And I mean, did it, take, again. Did they take him to the hospital uh, dressed up as Gold Ducat? Or did, or. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but can you imagine <laughs> arriving at a hospital with a Cardassian? This Cardassian just got his nose 
broken. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> or, 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 or whatever the intake, you know. Now, where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Not for math. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, again, it was it was serious. I mean, I would say that was probably the worst accident that that I remember on Deep Space Nine or Voyager. I mean and and that's why actors really shouldn't be doing their own stunts. I mean, again, like you say, this cost this cost the uh company days while Mark's nose was, you know, or this the swelling was going down. I mean, had it been Two stunt doubles, I know this sounds awful, but has it been two stunt doubles and let's say the stunt double's nose was broken, uh, you know, you get another stunt person. But, but but when you injure a lead actor, I mean, that's it. Production closes down. So, Leslie, or other than... Say production. Other than... Other than the Planet of the Apes, because we have to squeeze that in every show, just because we do. So, other than the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> what? what you know, some, what, what, well, my favorite story. Well, there's two stories from Planet of the Apes. Is that uh, um, uh, Charlton Heston had a had a really bad cold and had laryngitis, and they were about to film the scene where he's running around, and he gets taken up in the net, and you know, get your stinking paws off of me, you damn dirty ape, or whatever he said, is that his voice is very gruff sounding. Now, by the series, you know, he had had sustained an injury to his throat. But in reality, Heston was getting over a cold, so so that's why his voice sounded that way. The the other story from Planet of the Apes is the stuntman for Charlton Heston um was uh had like I say it was this running sequence and and uh and i i forget i forget how the dialogue went but something about i'm glad maybe heston said to the stunt double i'm glad that you did the running and the stunt double said why and he said well you just ran through a bunch of uh poison ivy <laughs> oh boy <laughs> So, Leslie, with Deep Space Nine, if you, if you don't mind me asking, uh, when it was all said and done and it's all over, what is one of your favorite memories of working on Deep Space Nine? Uh, actually, and it doesn't have to be an episode that you were in. Just what was one of your, your fondest memories of, of being there? My... Really, my favorite memory of Deep Space Nine was the promenade itself was 
when stunt people weren't working, it was like a, you know, like a jungle gym or something like that. The promenade was the best playground in the world. I mean, we were we were up and down the staircases and running in and out the doors, and I know that doesn't sound very professional, but I mean, it was a true two-story set. Actually, it did have a small third story to it, but, but you know, what, what you see in the episodes, you really see the, the, the two stories. And like I say, we, we, we would be up and down the circular staircases. We would go in and out the doors. Uh, you visit Quark's. Obviously, you don't go running in a, a, a part of the set that they're filming, but if no one was filming in Quark's bar, you'd be in Quark's bar. You'd be in sick bay. I mean, it it, it was <laughs> it was like uh it was like living in Malibu Barbie's home. You know, <laughs> it was living on the promenade. <laughs> I mean, it, wow. it it just was such a fantastic set. Well, Leslie, believe it or not, have you looked at the time? Yeah, I see. That. I see we've eaten up another hour again. Wow! And we even got to so, say Planet of the Apes. <laughs> we squeezed it in. Yes, we did. So, uh, listen, guys, I just want to say thank you for listening, and uh, please head over to. The Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. And if you have a topic for a show or something you'd like to hear Leslie and I talk about, uh, you can reach out to us over there at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Or if you just want to stop by and say hello, um, we love to hear from you. And we like to engage with our fans, so please do that. And uh, you can also, if you're interested in getting an autograph, uh, from Leslie, you can inquire over there at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page about that as well. So please, please do that if you're interested. And if you're looking for something to do on Thursday night, uh, you can tune in, same bat time, same bat channel, as I said, same phone number, 646-668-2433. Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time to check uh, talking with yours truly, Uncle Jim, Charles, and Eric. And we're going to be talking about Deep Space Nine. In particular, what you leave behind, which Leslie and I just spent an hour talking about, and also the pilot episode, Emissary. So if you're a Deep Space Nine fan, uh, please hang out with us for a couple of hours on Thursday night. Give us a call. Tell us what you thought about Deep Space Nine. What was your favorite episode? And we'd love to hear from you. And, again, you can get in touch with us at Truck Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out on Facebook. And uh, shoot us a message and say hello to myself, Charles, or Eric over there. We'd really love to hear from you. And, Leslie, we are all out of time. I have to say thank you to you because without the Leslie Hoffman, we wouldn't have a stunt trek podcast so thank you so so much for hanging out and talking with me tonight leslie oh well without you there wouldn't be a stunt trek either (laughs) true (laughs) true i'm man the computer (laughs) 
<laughs> I do do that. <laughs> I, uh, I I man the computer and I set up the show and I answer the phones. Uh, but without Leslie, we wouldn't be doing it. So thank you so much for hanging out and sharing your stories with us, Leslie. It's so much fun to talk with you every week. Oh, I just I enjoy talking about Star Trek. It's it definitely is uh, one of my favorite series. And uh, oh, we'll be and, back next and, Sunday. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. Michael Forrest, who played Apollo in uh, the original Star Trek, it was his birthday. That's right. It was. And uh, we also lost uh, a member of the Star Trek family as well, um, who who was on the Adams family. And uh, I just actually watched an episode of Buck Rogers that had Jamie Lee Curtis in it as well, which I was like, wow, she was on Buck Rogers? <laughs> and uh, he actually wore the costume of Tweaky. He didn't do the voice. That was Mel Blanc, but he wore the costume. Um so that was um, that was a sad, sad news to hear about as well. Um, so yeah, that's too bad. That's that yeah, too um, bad. I don't know how you pronounce his name exactly, but Felix Silas passed yep. away, and that oh, that was really sad. Yeah, I mean he played I mean, so so many memorable. Uh, characters, and then, as you say, Mel Blanc has voiced cartoons, uh, robots, whatever. I mean, a sad passing, but yeah, he he was also a Talosian on uh, on in Star Trek: The Cage. He was a Talosian. If you remember, they had men wearing the costumes and women doing the voices, and he was one of the Talosians that we see. In the cave, so yeah, well, he'll be missed. You know, I'm, I was wondering about. I know we're running. We ran out of time, but I was wondering about that because because he was a midget, and I don't remember. Thelosians were were slender, but they weren't as short as as Felix was. So I don't know what Thelosian he was. I mean, someone would have to. Put, he was not one of the three major ones that you would see. So I, I really don't know where he was in the episode. He, he went when when Captain Pike wakes up, and he's looking at at the menagerie, at the, at all the aliens in the cages, and he's looking down the hallway. One of the Talosians that walks down the hallway, that's him. He oh, had no lines. okay, yeah. He was no, because. He probably would be half the height of of the major ones that you saw. Well, he's um, when, when he walks down the hallway, the fact that he's so small just makes the giant shadow of the bird creature look that much larger because he was so small. <laughs> kind of, you, you know. Yeah. But uh, he yeah. was a Pelosian in, in the cage. And uh, I, I also want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys who's listening out there, no matter where you are. Leslie and I appreciate you guys tuning in, and um, we couldn't do the show without you. And uh, I like to say hello to Joy. I, I'm pretty sure Joy is listening um, up in Saranac Lake. Your your romping ground, Leslie. I want to say hello to Joy, and uh, thank you to everyone for hanging out with us tonight. 
We'll be back next week with another episode. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be fun and exciting. It always is. <laughs> so I just want to say uh, thank you and good night to everybody. And hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, Leslie. Good night, Jim. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.